0: Greetings, friends.
1: June is busting out all over. Yes, it's June 1st. This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, and my name is David McAdam, your tour guide host. Later this month, we will reach the halfway point on our journey, which is taking us through the 66 books of the Bible. Each day, we read the next portion from the Old and New Testaments, and we have a daily dip into the book of Psalms and Proverbs. Today, we will read the accounts of both sorrow and joy. In the Old Testament, we will read of the ongoing conflict between David and his son Absalom. Although David is restored to the throne, uniting the kingdom of Israel, it is with a sorrowful heart. However, in the New Testament, we will read an account where sorrow is turned to joy, as the greater son of David, Jesus, the Messiah, is raised from the dead and the disciples are confronted with the reality that Jesus is who He says He is. Thomas confesses the truth when he says, My Lord and my God. The missionary C.T. Studd said, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for Him. So before we go to the resurrection account in the New Testament, we will see other aspects of the Gospel truth spelled out in the Old Testament. We see that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The tragic consequences of sin are with us daily. We live in a Genesis 3 world impacted by the curse, and every day we see how the just compensation, or the wages, for our sin is death. We see the spiritual separation, physical, social, relational separation caused by sin. And with the consequences of sin comes all kinds of sorrow. This sorrow will fill the heart of David in the account that we read today, even as it does the heart of the greater David, Jesus Christ, the only righteous King, who is this world's only Savior. We pick up the narrative of David, whom God has mercifully anointed to be the King of Israel. Now, at long last, he is about to be called for and welcomed as King by his people. As one day the prophets tell us, the true Messiah will be called for and welcomed as King when his people look on the one whom they have pierced and recognize Jesus as the one who is wounded for their transgressions and bruised for their iniquities. So we start today with our reading from 2 Samuel chapter 18. 2 Samuel chapter 18 verse 1 Then David mustered the men who were with him and set over them commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. And David sent out the army, one-third under the command of Joab, one-third under the command of Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, and one-third under the command of Ittai, the Gittite. And the king said to the men, I myself will also go out with you. But the men said, You shall not go out, for if we flee, they will not care about us. If half of us die, they will not care about us, but you are worth ten thousand of us therefore it is better that you send us help from the city. The king said to them, Whatever seems best to you, I will do. So the king stood at the side of the gate, while all the army marched out by hundreds and by thousands. And the king ordered Joab and Abishai and Ittai, Deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave orders to all the commanders about Absalom. So the army went out into the field against Israel, and the battle was fought in the forest of Ephraim. And the men of Israel were defeated there by the servants of David, and the loss there was great on that day, twenty thousand men. The battle spread over the face of all the country, and the forest devoured more people that day than the sword. And Absalom happened to meet the servants of David. Absalom was riding on his mule, and the mule went under the thick branches of a great oak, and his head caught fast in the oak, and he was suspended between heaven and earth, while the mule that was under him went on. And a certain man saw it, and told Joab, Behold, I saw Absalom hanging in an oak. Joab said to the man who told him, What, you saw him? Why then did you not strike him there to the ground? I would have been glad to give you ten pieces of silver and a belt. But the man said to Joab, Even if I felt in my hand the weight of a thousand pieces of silver, I would not reach out my hand against the king's son, for in our hearing the king commanded you and Abishai and Ettai, for my sake, protect the young man Absalom. On the other hand, if I had dealt treacherously against his life, and there is nothing hidden from the king, then you yourself would have stood aloof. Joab said, I will not waste time like this with you and he took three javelins in his hand, and thrust them into the heart of Absalom while he was still alive in the oak. The ten young men, Joab's armor-bearers, surrounded Absalom, and struck him, and killed him. Then Joab blew the trumpet, and the troops came back from pursuing Israel, for Joab restrained them. And they took Absalom, and threw him into a great pit in the forest, and raised him over a very great heap of stones. And all Israel fled every one to his own home. Now Absalom, in his lifetime, had taken and set up for himself the pillar that is in the king's valley; for he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. He called the pillar after his own name, and it is called Absalom's monument to this day. Then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said: Let me run and carry the news to the king that the Lord has delivered him from the hand of his enemies. And Joab said to him, You are not to carry the news today. You may carry news another day, but today you shall carry no news, because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to the Cushite, Go, tell the king what you have seen. The Cushite bowed before Joab and ran. Then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said again to Joab, Come what may, let me also run after the Cushite. And Joab said, Why will you run, my son, seeing that you will have no reward for the news? Come what may, he said, I will run. So he said to him, Run. Then Ahimaaz ran by the way of the plain, and outran the Cushite. Now David was sitting between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof of the gate by the wall, and when he lifted up his eyes and looked, HE SAW A MAN RUNNING ALONE. THE WATCHMAN CALLED OUT AND TOLD THE KING. AND THE KING SAID, IF HE IS ALONE, THERE IS NEWS IN HIS MOUTH. AND HE DREW NEARER AND NEARER. THE WATCHMAN SAW ANOTHER MAN RUNNING. AND THE WATCHMAN CALLED OUT TO THE GATE AND SAID, SEE ANOTHER MAN RUNNING ALONE. THE KING SAID, HE ALSO BRINGS NEWS. THE WATCHMAN SAID, I THINK THE RUNNING OF THE FIRST IS LIKE THE RUNNING OF Ahimaaz, THE SON OF Zadok," AND THE KING SAID, He is a good man, and comes with good news. Then Ahimaaz cried out to the king, All is well. And he bowed before the king with his face to the earth, and said, Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delivered up the men who raised their hand against my lord the king. And the king said, Is it well with the young man Absalom? Ahimaaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant, Your servant, I saw a great commotion, but I do not know what it was. And the king said, Turn aside and stand here. So he turned aside and stood still. And behold, the Cushite came, and the Cushite said, Good news for my lord, the king, for the Lord has delivered you this day from the hand of all who rose up against you. The king said to the Cushite, Is it well with the young man Absalom? And the Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord, the king, and all who rise up against you for evil Be like that young man. And the king was deeply moved, and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I had died instead of you, O Absalom, my son, my son. Chapter 19 It was told Joab, Behold, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. So the victory that day was turned into mourning for all the people. For the people heard that day, The king is grieving for his son. And the people stole into the city that day as people steal in who are ashamed when they flee in battle. The king covered his face, and the king cried out with a loud voice, O my son Absalom, O Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab came into the house to the king and said, You have today covered with shame the faces of all your servants who have this day saved your life and the lives of your sons and your daughters and the lives of your wives and your concubines, because you love those who hate you and hate those who love you. For you have made it clear today that commanders and servants are nothing to you. For today I know that if Absalom were alive and all of us were dead today, then you would be pleased. Now therefore arise. Go out and speak kindly to your servants, for I swear by the Lord, if you do not go, not a man will stand with you this night, and this will be worse for you than all the evil that has come upon you from your youth until now. Then the king arose and took his seat in the gate, and the people were all told, Behold, the king is sitting in the gate, and all the people came before the king. Now Israel had fled every man to his own home and all the people were arguing throughout all the tribes of Israel saying the king delivered us from the hand of our enemies and saved us from the hand of the Philistines and now he has fled out of the land from Absalom but Absalom whom we anointed over us is dead in battle now therefore why do you say nothing about bringing the king back and this is the end of our reading from the old testament passage from 2nd Samuel Absalom you will recall took the misleading counsel of Hushai rather than Ahithophel. Instead of striking David down immediately, Absalom fell for the suggestion that appealed to his pride. Hushai suggested he gather a larger army of men from all the tribes of Israel and stage a far more impressive defeat of David. This delay gave David the chance to muster a large, well-organized army of commanders of thousands and hundreds he divided the entire army into thirds and put Joab, Abishai, and Ittai at the head of each division. David, perhaps remembering how he was ensnared by sin with Bathsheba when he excused himself from battle, announces to his defenders that he intends to go out with his army. The people refused David's request, citing that if they were to flee, Absalom's army wouldn't care for them, nor would the enemy care if half their number were to be killed. Absalom's rebellion was against David. They said David is worth ten thousand of us, and it would be better strategically if David were to be ready to help them from the city. So David stays by the Jerusalem gate as his new army goes out against his foes. David gives his three commanders this final charge. Be gentle with the young man Absalom for my sake. Second Samuel chapter 18 verse 5. The battle takes place in the forest of Ephraim. The servants of David triumph over Absalom's army, but the victory comes at great cost. Twenty thousand men die. These were all men from throughout Israel, the people whom God appointed David to shepherd. And furthering the cost, Absalom, riding a mule, has his hair caught in the thicket of a tree and is left hanging helplessly by his hair between heaven and earth as his mule escapes from beneath him. One of David's servants reports this to Joab. Joab cannot believe that this man let the opportunity to kill Absalom pass. He tells him that he would have been richly rewarded. The man explains that even if he were given thousands of pieces of silver, as if to say all the money in the world, he would not disobey the word of his king, David. Joab will have nothing of this man's excuses for sparing Absalom's life. He returns to where Absalom is still caught in his vulnerable position hanging from the tree. He takes three spears and thrusts them into Absalom's heart. The ten men who carried Joab's armor finish the job, killing Absalom. David's cup of sorrow is filling to the brim. The domestic troubles that followed his sin with Bathsheba bring the haunting words of the prophet Nathan about his future to mind. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? you have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me, and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 9 and 10 David had experienced the sorrow of an infant dying, a son raping a daughter, another son taking revenge and killing the brother, And now his son Absalom has stolen the hearts of the people, defiled his concubines, usurped his throne, and waged war against him. Yet David knew that he, the parent, was in no small way responsible. Absalom's sins were his sins. Absalom's weaknesses were his weaknesses. Absalom was a man of similar passions gone awry. David is not a model parent. He indulges his children and neglects to deal with their misdeeds. In Absalom the chickens have come home to roost, yet David is blinded by sentimentality and is more upset about the death of his son than the interests of the nation, his fighting men who risked their lives for him, or the tens of thousands of those in the nation who died. Joab showed no pity for Absalom, he was the enemy, he was a traitor and usurper, and David, Joab's superior, had ordered the attack against him. Joab indeed disregarded David's sentimental wish that Absalom be treated kindly. However, he could not be silent when David, blinded by natural affection, showed blatant disregard for the nation's interests, and the sacrifice of his warriors by mourning the death of his son in this way. Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, was eager to bring the news to David that the Lord had sovereignly freed David from his enemies. Ahimaaz seems eager to share the good news of what God has done and bring glory to his name. He has a good testimony, for David considers him a good man. But Joab sends the Cushite first, to report what he has seen. Ahimaaz outruns the Cushite and glorifies God in giving the victory to David. David's only reply is, Is it well with the young man Absalom? Ahimaaz does not have the heart to tell David the truth. Perhaps he is like many an eager preacher, who fears preaching the whole truth bad news needs to be told if we are to understand the good news the cushite takes a shorter route but through more difficult terrain this might have given him some time to reflect on how to deliver the news without causing the king to react by killing him as he had other messengers who delivered bad news such as in 2nd Samuel chapter 1 verses 4 through 16 and chapter 4 verses 8 through 12 When the Cushite arrives, offering the same report of the Lord having delivered from the hand of all who had risen up against him, David asks the same question, Is it well with the young man Absalom? The Cushite replies tactfully, Let the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise up against you for evil be as that young man. David goes up to the chamber above the city gate and mourns, crying out, O Absalom, my son! Five times he repeats, My son, would I had died instead of you, O Absalom, my son, my son. Although the idea of the greater David substituting himself for the guilty is foreshadowed here, the plain fact is that David recognizes once again his own personal guilt in this tragic outcome. Joab rightly rebukes David for letting his sentiments get in the way of his leadership. Then Joab came into the house of the king and said, Today you have covered with shame the faces of all your servants, who today have saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters, the lives of your wives and the lives of your concubines, by loving those who hate you, and by hating those who love you. For you have shown today that princes and servants are nothing to you. For I know this day that if Absalom were alive and all of us were dead today, then you would be pleased. Now therefore arise, go out, speak kindly to your servants. For I swear by the Lord, if you do not go out, surely not a man will pass the night with you, and this will be worse for you than all the evil that has come upon you from your youth until now. 2 Samuel chapter 19, verses 5-7 through 7. David heeds this counsel and takes his place sitting in the city gate. The people of Israel realize the significance of this turn of events, and even those who rebelled against David by following Absalom now considered bringing back the king. Second Samuel chapter 19, verse 10. These words make us think of the true anointed King, the greater David, and the incessant prayer request He gave us, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Let us not be silent about bringing back the King. Now let's go to our reading from the New Testament, the Gospel according to John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 31. Let's read together this account of the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, please tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace, be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my lord and my god jesus said to him have you believed because you have seen me blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed now jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book but these are written so that you may believe that jesus is the christ the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name And this concludes today's reading from the New Testament, the Gospel according to John. John chapter 20 is the glorious account of the resurrection. Once again, we see that John's account emphasizes the personal. We get an up-close picture. After all, John was the one who raced Peter to the tomb. He sees that the tomb is empty and believes. John starts his account before dawn when the six women come to the tomb to do what they would have done on the day of his burial had they not been prohibited by the special sabbath at passover and the traditional sabbath it was now the first day of the week john focuses on mary magdalene although the other accounts show that she was with five other women three of whom were also named mary the first additional mary was the mother of james the younger and joseph the second was mary the mother of jesus Who had four other sons and at least two daughters in mark chapter 6 verse 3 the third mary was the wife of clopas eusebius writes that clopas was the brother of joseph of nazareth making this mary jesus's aunt there were four marys in all we also know that salome the wife of zebedee and the mother of james and john was present and joanna the wife of chusa the household manager of herod antipas in Luke chapter 8, verse 3. John emphasizes how the witnesses of the resurrection see and believe. When Mary sees that the grave is empty, she at first believes that the body was taken to perhaps another burial place. She has not yet comprehended the significance of the placement of the grave clothes that indicated that the body had passed right through them. But Jesus is there calling her by name. She perceives him to be the gardener. John seems to highlight the restoration of the human race to the Edenic fellowship when God walked in the garden in the cool of the day, Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. Later in the chapter, as God breathed on the first man Adam, making him a living soul in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, Jesus would breathe on the disciples in John chapter 20 verse 22, indicating that now as head of the new creation, he was the life-giving spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 45. Mary recognizes Jesus' voice and turns to him in John chapter 20, verse 14. This reminds us of John's experience on the island of Patmos when John recognizes the voice and turns to see Jesus in Revelation chapter 1, verse 12. Mary exclaims, Rabboni, meaning great teacher. She, like the other women, clings to Jesus in Matthew 28, verse 9. Jesus says, Stop clinging to me, They want him back in their life as he was, the great teacher. But he had a greater role. He was to go to the Father where he would be given a name that is above every name, the credential and crowning as the author of our salvation, Christ the King, the priest, the prophet, the judge of the living and the dead. As the author of the reconciling work of redemption, he must ascend to his Father, who is now on the basis of his reconciling work, our Father." and to his God, who on the basis of his reconciling work is now our God. When the disciples see Jesus, he is in his resurrection body that knows no bounds. You cannot lock out his presence even by barring the doors to him. John emphasizes the transcendent quality of Christ in his resurrection. There is no record of his coming into a room or leaving. He makes himself known in a very real and tangible way, he appears a week after the resurrection to Thomas, and knowing Thomas's claim that he would not believe Jesus was risen unless he could put his hand in his side, he says, Reach here with your finger, and see my hands, and reach here your hand, and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believing. John chapter 20, verse 27. Thomas answers, Believing and confessing, My Lord and my God. And this is the purpose of John's Gospel account. These have been written, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that, believing, you may have life in His name. John chapter 20, verse 31. Now let's go to today's reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 119, verses 153 to 176. Today we are coming to the final three sections of Psalm 119, beginning with the letters Resh, Then we'll go to the letters Shin and Tav. For today's reading, we are using a previous recording of our dear friend David Orvash, who is now with the Lord and Savior in whom he put his trust for his salvation.
0: Look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. I look at the faithless with disgust, because they do not keep your commands. Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word, like one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly I keep your precepts and testimonies for all my ways are before you let my cry come before you O Lord give me understanding according to your word let my plea come before you deliver me according to your word my lips will pour forth praise for you teach me your statutes my tongue will sing of your word for all your commandments are right Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments.
1: Thank you, David. The eight verses, all beginning with the Hebrew letter Resh, are part of a prayer for deliverance the psalmist makes his appeal to God and according to God's self-revelation in his word revive me according to your word in prayer he contrasts his dependence upon God's promises to the demeanor of his enemies who do not seek his statutes he realizes that salvation is far from them the idea is that salvation comes to us through faith in the revelation of God's word despite persecution and trials His affection for God's truth abides. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great spoil. Psalm 119, verse 162. We can see that meditation upon God's word and praise for God's testimonies are a part of the psalmist's daily life. Let this inspire us to do the same. Do you have great peace? Do you easily get offended? What is your relationship like with God's word? Those who love your law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. Psalm 119, verse 165. Now let's go to the Bible's treasure chest of wisdom, the book of Proverbs. Reading Proverbs 16, verses 14 and 15, will be Joni Orvash.
0: A king's wrath is a messenger of death, and a wise man will appease it. In the light of a king's
1: face there is life, and his favor is like the clouds that bring the
0: spring rain."
1: Thank you, Joni. In these Proverbs, we have a contrast between the tension experienced as we face the fury of this world's leaders and the peace and refreshment that we face as we look unto the Lord and the grace that we have received through the finished work of Christ. How much more we need to live in the light of the King of Kings and be grateful for the favor that He shines upon us, who have been made right with Him through faith in His Word. Now let's pray together. Father, we want to praise You and run with the good news. We want to thank You for giving us the victory in Jesus' triumph over sin and death on our behalf. Jesus has established us in peace, reconciling us to You. And now we can say by the Spirit, Abba, Father. We ask that we learn from Your precepts and testimonies, do not allow natural sentiment to get in the way of our being devoted to the purpose for which you called us. We love you, and we want to show our love by feeding, caring for, and blessing your flock. May the fragrance of the risen Christ be upon our lives as we set him apart as King. May your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, thank you for being with us today as we've been reading through the Bible, and God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow. Our prayer is that in the month of June, the knowledge of Christ will be bursting out all over. Perhaps you know someone who could benefit from this podcast and you can recommend it to them. You can subscribe wherever people get their podcasts. And if you'd like a written transcript of our commentary on the One Year Bible, you can get a daily email by going to our website, newlife.org. And there you can learn more about New Life Community Church and its many ministries. So as we move on from the day, may you know what the psalmist was speaking about when he said, great peace have they who love thy law, nothing shall offend them, nothing shall make them stumble. So go in that great peace.